Welcome to A Space to Isolate In. This is a collection of stories written in the time of coronavirus. You're listening to The Apocalypse Smells Like Cut Grass, written by Afsana Gray and performed by Shane Zaza. The bird cocks her head quizzically. I have to go, she says. I'll be late. Late for what, I say. You're a bird. What could you possibly be late for? I can tell she's not impressed. Just listen, I say. I want to tell you a story. I always run a little hot. My mother used to say it was because of my brain. Whirring away, using energy, expelling heat. She always thought the best of me. I look at the bird to see if this has had an effect. She looks bored. I have to go, she says. I'll leave you a note, I say, as she flies off. I begin at the beginning. I'm walking through King's Cross Station when I see the flash. I know I shouldn't be here. Not because it's against the rules, it isn't, not yet. But because I've heard about the censors and I know I'm running a risk. But I have to get to work on time, because if I don't, I'll be fired and the government won't cover enough of my wages to keep us off the street. My wife, my daughter and me. So I decide to risk it. When a police officer shows up at my door the next day, I know what's going on, even though I pretend I don't. How are you feeling, sir? He says, his voice polite but with an edge. Fine, I say. And then I cough. I never cough. But I cough then, just once, only because some saliva went down the wrong way. The police officer tells me I have to stay in a separate room to the rest of my family. There's only one bedroom, I tell him. That's where you'll stay then, he says, perkily. Perkily. I underline this. There's no balcony. All there is is a window that looks onto the street, and every day I ration it. I open it up bit by bit when I'm feeling like I can't take it anymore. I stand on a chair and lever as much of my body as I can get out of its tiny aperture. It's one of those ones with hinges that stop you committing suicide. I breathe in the fumy air and pretend I'm going on a long country walk. I went to the country once. It was kind of nice. It takes three days for the letter to arrive. We regret to inform you that your contract has been terminated. There's a TV in the bedroom and I keep the news on. I keep it on all day and night and I dream about the apocalypse. That specific word, apocalypse, keeps running through my head. This is what the apocalypse looks like. This is what the apocalypse feels like. The city is quieter, but not that much. Trucks still rumble by. Buses, cars. People go for jogs in the park with masks on. Every day there's a knock on my door and when I open it, I find a plate of food, baked beans or spaghetti hoops. No matter how quickly I open it, I never catch sight of my wife. I assume she doesn't want to see me. I guess she'd say she hasn't seen me in years, so why would she suddenly want to now? One day the knock on the door is accompanied by a sound. Dad? I'm about to open up, excited, when I hear, Don't open the door! Mum says you mustn't. But she knows I just run hot, I tell my daughter. She says you mustn't, my daughter insists. I pause and then she adds, but we can talk, if you like. School's been cancelled. I do like. But what do I say? Have we ever spoken before? 
me and my daughter, I wonder. I recall asking her to hurry up and eat her breakfast, but that doesn't seem appropriate right now. We sit in silence for a while, and then I hear her go. This is what the apocalypse sounds like, I think. And then I remember, no, that's what it was like before, silence. Through all the words, there was nothing but silence. I go to the TV and turn it off. The next day, my daughter's back. Do you want me to tell you a story? Yes, please, I say. She makes something up about a bear who gets lost in the woods. Bears, woods. Amazing how these things live on in the popular imagination. Her voice is clear and beautiful, and even though she doesn't know how to end the story, I love it more than any story I've ever heard before. I like that your story doesn't have an ending, I tell her, when she trails off disconsolately. That's when she tells me that no one is being allowed out anymore. Everyone's in quarantine. But before I can open the door, she tells me that I am still confined to the bedroom. They have monitors, she says. We'll get fined if you come out and then we'll be evicted. My hand drops from the door handle. A few days after this, I notice a change. The air outside my window is cleaner, fresher. It fills my lungs right up like a long glass of water. The trees that dot the road are taller, greener, lusher. There are more birds, different birds, colourful birds, big and small. Their song is louder than the traffic now, and they don't even have to try to compete. When it rains, it smells of cut grass, even though no one's cutting grass right now. This is what the apocalypse smells like, I think. That's when the food stops coming. We're out of spaghetti hoops, my daughter apologises. That's okay, I tell her, my stomach rumbling. Just tell me a story. I get so hungry that I can't remember what it feels like to be hungry. My sleep patterns reverse almost completely. I sleep all day and I'm awake all night. The nights are dark now. I don't remember them being this dark before. They sit like a blanket on top of me and the stars are so close they hurt my eyelids. I ask my daughter to ring the doctor and tell him that I run hot, that I've always run hot, that that's just the way I am. She comes back and says that she did what I said. She waited on the phone for over an hour to speak to him and when she did, he just laughed. Everyone says that, he told her. The next day, no one visits me. I don't open the window that day. The following day, my daughter is back. Where were you? I say, barely containing the hurt and anger from my voice. She says that she's found some friends online and they play games. I ask if she's ever allowed out to the park and she says she is, but only alone. And only for half an hour. And it's no fun, so she'd rather play virtual games with her friends. She doesn't use the word virtual. She's only six. I added that. I start coughing. I've never had a cough before, but now I have a cough, and not just because of some saliva that went down the wrong way. I feel shivery. I feel achy and fatigued. These are all symptoms of the disease. I've been in isolation for 45 days now. How could I possibly have caught it? Perhaps it's in my imagination. I dream or think that a bird comes to visit me at the window. Do you remember this? 
It's in the middle of the night, and you whisper to me, You're ill. You're very ill, and there's no one to look after you. I start crying, and you peck me on the forehead, and it could either be aggressive or a kiss. And I'm not quite sure which it is. Which was it? I wake up, or come to, and my body is jammed as far out of the window as I can get it, all the way up to my waist, and I can barely breathe. Shortness of breath. Another symptom. I take to my bed, and when I wake up, it's daytime for once. I'm thirsty. I open the door, but no one's left me any food or water. I call out to my wife and daughter, but even though they can't be more than a few metres away, they don't hear. Perhaps they have headphones on. I go to the window. The air is clear. I can see for miles. A forest has started growing over the road, and the canal that runs through the city is clear and flowing like a stream. I see a dolphin swimming down it. The blue water makes me even more thirsty. I call out to my daughter. But she doesn't come. I call out to my wife. But she doesn't come. I've been forgotten. Perhaps I was forgotten a long time ago. I miss my daughter's stories. I miss spaghetti hoops. It's the middle of the next night before you come back. Tell me a story, I ask. Sure, you say. And you tell me this, do you remember? There was once a land that was wild and fertile. Lots of things lived on this land, and a lot of them wanted to eat birds, like me. I don't want you to think it was a utopia, you said. But still, we flourished, and then one day, a virus came. And the virus killed almost all the living things, and the ones that survived had to go into hiding. I stop you. Not that story, I say. Don't you want to know how it ends? I'm so thirsty. Please, I say, bring me something to drink. You cock your head. I'm not sure that's a good idea, you say, and fly away. Days pass. I take to my bed. I am sick. I am so sick. You have no idea how sick I was. I don't know if it's the disease or hunger and thirst. A body packing up from lack of nourishment. I must have made very little impression on the world, I think. Because since my confinement, I have been forgotten so thoroughly and so quickly by everyone around me. I question whether I ever really existed. I question whether anyone did. I try to recall the face of my wife. But it escapes me. I try to recall the sound of my daughter's voice, but it escapes me. I try to turn on the TV, but there's a notice on it saying that you now need a login and password. I lie in bed and wait for death to come. But instead I feel a sensation of pressure on my forehead and then... Oh, sweet, sweet drops of water in my mouth. My eyes spring open and I see you, perched on my forehead, your beak open over my mouth. Why did you do that? Why, why did you save me if you didn't care? And when I say to you, I must have made very little impression on the world... You cock your head, as you habitually do, and say, I don't think that's true. Wait here, I'll get you some more water. Wait here. 
as if I have a choice. Days pass. The cough abates. I feel better, more energetic. You start bringing me fat, juicy worms. We have a rendezvous every night at 2am. You drop them straight into my open mouth. They're not unlike spaghetti hoops, just a bit more wriggly. This is what the apocalypse tastes like, I say. The what, you say? The world outside my window is luscious now. Sparkling. A tree has climbed up to my window and has got tangled in the frame. If I close it, I'm afraid it'll never open again, so I leave it open and wait for the forest to creep in and reclaim my bedroom. The next night when you come, I ask you about my wife and daughter. I don't know, you say. Lots of people are running away. We see them from the air, lines of human beings trying to escape. Escape what, I say. The disease, you say. Bears, you say. There are bears in the woods now. I start to cry. Do you remember that? He said it was a waste of water. That's when I first asked you to help me leave. I asked if I could climb onto your back and fly out of the window, and you said no. You said I was too big. And you added, we're quite enjoying the apocalypse. But the thing is, it's not my fault. None of this is my fault. I never even should have been put in quarantine. I just run a little hot. I always have. I only got sick because I was stuck here in this room with no one to care for me. Ah, you're back. There you are. You have worms in your mouth. Nice and juicy. As I eat, I say, please read this note. I spent a lot of time composing it. You cock your head and read. When you've finished, you say, so you want to hear the ending, do you? To the story about the virus? Yes, I say. Please. You laugh. You're not going to like it, you say. I'll see you tomorrow. Wait here. And off you fly. Perkily. <laughs>